0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Legendary Chiropractor Podcast, providing a navigational beacon for the present and the future of chiropractic. This podcast is made for and with the prospective chiropractic student, current chiropractic student, and even doctor out in the field in mind. I'm your host, Johnny Ruder, and today we're talking about certainty, objective data, artificial intelligence designs within research, the power of the adjustment, Chiropractic Leadership Alliance's role in the future of chiropractic, and where the puck is going in chiropractic's future. All here on the Legendary Chiropractor Podcast, I'm your host, Johnny Ritter, and today's guest, Dr. David Fletcher. Are you at all interested in reading about chiropractic-related topics, small business-related topics, or even just basic lifestyle topics? Head over to thelegendarychiropractor.com and join our free book club called The Power of the Binding. We would love to have you. And as soon as you subscribe to the list, we'll add you to the secret Facebook group so you can join in with many others in discussions and conversations pertaining and relating back to the book and the contents. Cool. We are officially live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Chiropractic Compass podcast brought to you by the legendary chiropractor online community. I'm your host, Johnny Rutter. And tonight is a super special night for me personally and for all of chiropractic students and all of chiropractic doctors watching this tonight and watching this on replay in the future. So please stay tuned with us. Be sure that you are engaging with all of the content and everything that we are doing. If you have any questions, that you want to ask, please be sure to do that as well. So tonight we have the special opportunity to sit down with Dr. David Fletcher. He is a chiropractor out in Toronto, Canada, and he is the owner and CEO of CLA, which is Chiropractic Leadership Alliance, and they create and manage all of the equipment that allows us to see incredible things and insight into the body and understand what is going on, actually, um, and gives us those objective measures, which we will get into. But I want to give Dr. David uh, and Dr. F- Dr. David Fletcher the floor here to really introduce himself, share his accolades, and share a little bit more about who he is and where he comes from. Go ahead, Doc.
1: Hey, thanks, Johnny. Well, listen, it's a, it's always a treat to be invited to uh, to a podcast and to have a moment to catch up with, as I was talking about in the green room here, uh, a rising star as it comes up. Uh, you know, I've always had a, a uh, an enjoyable fascination with uh, with with podcasting, with media, and ways we get get the message out there. And so I just have to continuously applaud um, anybody who's taking those extra steps. And and you know, it reminds me of uh, you know the the concept that Bj always used to talk about, which was you know. Never forget to advertise. And what he was meaning there was, yeah, sure, it's great for business and everything else. But chiropractic is a young profession. I mean, we're incredibly young, we're incredibly dynamic and we can't keep it to ourselves. And so, you know, his vision was always one of of having an outreach experience, which is, you know, why he started the uh, the radio station W.O.C., and um, I was mentioned just briefly uh, to you that I was one of the original sponsors of the Chiropractic Philanthropist with uh, Ed Osborne on it, and you know it really was sort of the, it has become or is still the premier podcasting experience within chiropractic. Um, and so I couldn't wait to have a chance to have a conversation with this wonderful next opportunity.
0: Wow, that means a lot to me, Doc. That that really does. Mm-hmm. I I I don't under I. I want to express to you how big of a fan I am of yours, how big of a fan I am of Dr. Ed Osborne's and to put those two together. And really, you you just taught me that you, were, um, you helped him out. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, like, that is amazing to me. I mean, the world is a small world, but it's also, you know, the chiropractic uh, uh, community is abundant. And I, I really appreciate people like you. So, Doc, please share a little bit more of, like, how you got into chiropractic. Why chiropractic for you? Um, really, like, what drew you or what what about the profession drew you in, rather, um, to chiropractic?
1: Well, you know, I think that, uh, that many of our, our sort of uh, vintage chiropractors um, had chiropractic experiences as they were, you know, going through their own health issues and otherwise. And and I really did as well. Um, I was a smart kid, played a lot of sports, and uh, was, you know, sort of half in the sports world, half in the academic world. And I started to develop this really unmanageable asthmatic response. And, you know, prior to that, just as a kid, I grew up in a central Canadian city called Winnipeg. Um, they actually had spinal screenings in the public schools that were hosted by chiropractors and the chiropractors would go in and do posture checks. And, you know, if there was a detected scoliotic curve or something, they would then make a recommendation. And so I actually, I guess I was developing a bit of a curvature. And so we went in and, and I was checked. And one of the things that came up was that I needed to have some ongoing care to try and resolve this, this curvature. I think I lasted about six visits. You know, I didn't really want to go and, you know, and, and it was more like, ugh, anyhow that was my that was my you know early introduction to chiropractic nothing wrong with it it just didn't seem that i needed to want to go there i wanted to play you know instead of going in there yep. and there was nothing really holding us to that point because it was sort of like well you know there's some structure there that needs to be managed okay well we'll get to it anyhow um you fast forward a few years and i started to develop unmanageable asthma hospitalized taking really awful drugs and whatever else the 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 short version of the story is is that You know, um, we were going to my uncle's farm up north of of Winnipeg for a Sunday dinner, and he's a dairy farmer, and he looks at my father, whose name was Charlie, and he says, for God's sake, Charlie, get that boy to a chiropractor. And, uh, you know, because I was like struggling with my breathing. So anyhow, we went back down into Winnipeg, and my dad took me to the same chiropractor. And Here's the story that I want to tell for those listening, you know when he when i was first introduced to chiropractic it was introduced through this mechanical model it was this idea of fixing a bent spine and yet that same doctor who adjusted me who then started to adjust me not care for my spine was trained himself by bj so he had a choice when he was first looking at me to decide if he wanted to manage his scoliosis or manage the subluxation and so when he turned on by adjusting me and adjusting my subluxations by doing it the chiropractic way from there forward, my life changed. And so even though, you know, I had attended a chiropractor in name, it wasn't until I was adjusted by a chiropractor by purpose that I, that I started to understand the full value of it. And, and sort of the second story of that was, and I sort of said that I was a bit of a smart kid. So I started university when I was 16 and um, I was going through it and ended up in math programs. And one of the things they teach you in math is logic. It's 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 a great attribute. Um, and so when I was assessing my sort of you know next steps in in going in my, my academic career, it was honestly I looked at what chiropractic offered, I looked at how logical it was, and I said, Medicine has an illogical outcome. You know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't have a logic. It's almost like a faith, you know, they 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 look at us and they say, Oh yeah, I need intelligence subluxations, and I think we're some type of, you know, vitalistic you know, comic book characters. <laughs> and in truth and in truth, that's them. We're the logical ones. We have what it takes. We understand that there's nothing happenstance about staying well. It's it's logical that that innate intelligence reorganizes at all times to the best of its ability, so long as there is no interference. So the logic is look for the interference. Mm. And, you know, to me that's that, that's what sort of guided my my essence of looking within a chiropractic model and it served me well and hopefully served many people around me well as, uh, during that time.
0: Absolutely. I can tell you that it has. Um, I, I, I love that story. I love the fact that, you know, the chiropractor adjusted, you had that pivotal moment right in his career and, yeah. and changed kind of the trajectory of your life as well from that. Right. And he was like, here's how I'm going to treat this person or here's how I'm going to tend to this Spine differently than I would other people and I think that really I mean if he didn't do that I don't know where we would be without you doc
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, probably just fine because you know, there's 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 lots of lots of amazing uh, Chiropractors, but I I feel that it was you know, and and I'll say this with with reverence Um, I didn't really learn chiropractic coming out of CMCC. I really learned how to be you know a classmate I really learned to love the people that were choosing chiropractic I learned how to understand physiology and neurology and everything from a very basic perspective. Mm-hmm. But I didn't learn chiropractic until I started immersing myself in chiropractic with chiropractors, mm-hmm. you know, my community, colleagues, um, going to conferences, going to seminars. And I was just a hungry guy and, and I'm, you know, we didn't have podcasts when I graduated. And so you had to congregate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that was very strong, but I really know that there's so much ability to learn and to immerse yourself um, yet at the same time, I encourage everybody to jump in and join, you know, events as they come about, like you and I met at Mile High. Yep. And, uh, you know, I speak at, I don't know, 30 to 35 weekends a year, you know, that are going out there. So um, I'm invested in watching how these how these events really change chiropractors lives. And I can tell you that, you know, somewhere on your on your list of things to do, you should be engaging in a very inspiring you know congregation of chiropractors several times a year it's really worth it
0: yeah yeah and I, I would say it's impactful not only to you but what you can then bring back to your community or if you're a student back to your school right and i think that's really important to bring that fire home and start impacting those around you that weren't able to necessarily go or be there and uh, be a part of the action. So I, I I like that you said that, and I I do want to encourage everybody, all students, and uh, especially students listening right now, to to find events that resonate with you and go to them, um, just like Dr. Fletcher said. And I th- I think it's an absolutely pivotal point, like we said about your adjustment. An event could be that for you, right? An event could really be that that um, light bulb moment in your in your brain and in your chiropractic journey here. Um, so with that being said, Doc, I want to jump through just bullet list the topics and then we're going to dive, go back to the top and we're going to dive right in because I think this is going to be a fun conversation. I can't wait to get into it. Um, but first, if you are watching this, um, like it, love it, share it, do whatever you have to do to spread the news that Dr. David Fletcher is on the Chiropractic Compass podcast. And um, also be sure to check out the legendary chiropractor.com for all of your chiropractic needs. With that being said, the topics for tonight are going to be, we're talking about certainty, objective data, artificial intelligence, designs within research, power of the adjustment, CLA's specific role in the future of chiropractic, and I like this one, where the puck is going in chiropractic's future. Because it's it's so, all of those are so important, and I can't wait to get started. So, doc without further ado let's hop right into and i kind of clump these together certainty and objective data but you can talk you can break them apart and then put them together it's up to you um but go ahead and talk to us about certainty what do you mean about certainty in the chiropractic world
1: well i think that i think that uh number one certainty defines your perspective and uh there's really a lot of ways to tell whether you're certain or not one of them is very simple if you are attracting abundance into your into your life in terms of the path you are, you've you've developed an attachment to the certainty that matters to you. It's purpose driven. Um, people who struggle, whether it's in practice, in academics, or otherwise, are struggling not because they don't have the tools. They're struggling because there's a distraction there. And so I think that when we talk about certainty, it took me a while to learn this, but you know, without sounding without sounding you know some type of uh, of alarmist reaction. What I have learned and what I am certain of is that there is a devastating effect on human health and potential when subluxations are in play. And so with that being my certainty, I understand the power of the adjustment. And as a result of that, when I give an adjustment, I have certain expectations that I'm going to hold myself accountable to and, and to hold the patient's, you know, opportunity accountable to as well. And what I mean by that is that that's my perspective, because I start with this, this free-flowing perspective of what a, a subluxation can and does do to a person. Now, somebody who has a similar perspective could have a, could have a different desired outcome, uh, but still be on the same path. For instance, instead of, instead of having that as their passion play, they could say you know, uh, low back pain is a devastating you know, impact on somebody's life and, and future. And they could absolutely live in a certain world that they chose chiropractic to manage to a back pain model. And I think we have to develop this tolerance around certainty. In my world, the sadness about the back pain model of certainty that I'm talking about is that it just leaves so much opportunity on the table. Meaning, you know, yes, I understand the devastating effect of 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 low back pain on somebody's you know, outlook on life. But I know that there's something far bigger than that. And I know that I know that I know that because I allowed myself to experience it. Mm-hmm. And so because I know that, I can take my message and deliver it with that certainty that I'm talking about. And from that point of certainty, that's where you then start to align yourself with the tools that define your certainty. And again, I'm bringing this distinction about, but if I'm looking for the devastating effects on human health and performance, I'm looking to the central neurology. I'm looking to the central nervous system, not the peripheral nervous system. I'm looking directly in this brain to body connectivity, and I'm looking at the tone of the central nervous system. And so that's my objective data. So that's why I'm searching for that. Now, somebody who is searching for the back pain model is gonna have a different perspective, they may they may have certainty from MRIs that show, you know, collapsing discs, or they may have more certainty in, you know, certain ortho neuro tests, which by the way, don't work. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you can see that their objective data points are not wrong, they're just not complete. Because at the end of the day, what does trump everything else is the value of the of the control of the central nervous system, you know, um, so by choosing to look at a subluxated model and a subluxation-based model, you're really setting yourself up to be probably in the most objective world because we're looking at what is in the what is. You can't defile. You can't defile. You can't define without seeing function and feeling together, and not look at the central nervous system. So by choosing to live in this subluxation-centered vitalistic model and neurovitalism and neovitalism, you have to really, really understand that you've chosen the very top or apex of what you can deliver. And then you need to deliver what you need to deliver, which is you need to learn how to define a subluxation, how to adjust a subluxation, and most importantly, understand, you know, in a lifelong journey, the importance of being on your game. It's it's not a haphazard, you know, gig. And here's the, you know, what I mean, sort of famous for, um, Johnny, with this, you know, with the statement is, is that you get paid to the level that you operate and communicate with certainty. Mm. So at whatever, you, you know, if you're wondering within school, whether you're not attracting the right numbers of, you know, intern uh, patients like uh, clinic patients or otherwise, there's a gap in your certainty. You know, at all levels, it's 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 a universal law: abundance follows and is directly related to certainty. So your choice. You know, uh, find something to be certain about. You know, <laughs> but it happens. But it happens. It happens to be that if you're certain about chiropractic and through a subluxation center model, it's massively abundant. Like you can't keep people away. Right. And I'm and as I'm rambling here, I'm sort of I'm sort of laughing because. We ran huge clinics like I'm, uh, you, you know, um, you and I and Janice Hughes had a chance to to connect up in in uh, for some time in Mile High. And Janice was on the west sort of west part of the Toronto area. And I was just at the east of the of the center of the city in there. And while we were, you know, sort of in these earlier days of chiropractic in our careers, we were me- seeing massive numbers of people, you know, several hundred patients a day was normal you know, in this whole model, and we were doing the adjusting ourselves. And that wasn't because, you know, we had a better way, or something that was different, or there weren't as many chiropractors or whatever else, it was absolutely based on abundance, Mm -hmm. this principle that, that we could deliver it. And, and, and yeah, it was nice to get the payout, but it was more fun doing the job. And I will say this, that like attracts like, when I started out in, into the eastern suburbs of Toronto, which is in Pickering, um, the, there was myself and a couple of others scattered around. And when I left, Pickering hadn't grown up. I mean, it grew, but it didn't grow like to a massive city or anything else. But when I left, there were 13 chiropractors basically on the corner that I started my practice <laughs> on. And, and that was fabulous. That was fabulous in this in this block there were thirteen chiropractors and and it was fabulous because that was what we had established was that chiropractic had become the cultural norm within this community because we started something big, yeah, so anyhow, just a thought there.
0: I love it, I love it. What I like to do on this show is is let you. Um, talk on the topic, and then what I like to do is try to recap it in my in my student mind, yeah. right? And and try to try to really relate it to chiropractic <laughs> students and or you know young DCS out there who are just getting going and might you know lack that certainty, especially because I feel like those first early stages in practice is are the most critical where you should have certainty in order to get people into your door and and adjust them and be able to provide care for them and a lot of times it's the opposite of that right um and so i i really want to encourage people um i picked up on two statements that you said that were like that just blew me away and that was certainty defines purpose and i i think that is is really really true on many different levels but it's so when you were like you know what when you are attracting abundance, which will go, come into my next statement here, when you're attracting abundance into your life, that means you are certain about something. Whatever you are doing that you are attracting abundance into your life with, that is what you're certain on. Um, and then you said, certainty is directly related to abundance and I couldn't agree more. It absolutely is. And like you said, it's, it's what's going to not only make you the dollar, but it's also what's going to get your patients well right? And, and if you want to live in the back pain model, that's totally fine. No one's against that. Because we need chiropractors like that. But the subluxation based model, like you talked about your chiropractor, addressing your spine as right. And, and really, it changed the entire dynamic of the intent and the purpose behind his adjustment. And I think that it could be that powerful and critical to young docs coming out of chiropractic school. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah,
1: I agree completely. Listen, uh, I hope you don't have, you know, profound certainty coming out of school. Right. There's still a lot to learn. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I say that with the, I say that with the greatest respect. Um, it would it would be a shame if you knew everything before you really had gotten into full time practice. Um, because the you know, the 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 hallowed halls of these education centers really, you know, allow you to get a, to get um, to get a license. And to get into the real world of where you're going to be practicing with real people, you know, that are reaching in their pocket, putting their life energy in your hand, which is their money. And and their trust in you for their health and their, you know, and their family's health. And and that's that's a whole, whole, whole other, you know, educational experience and and dynamic experience. So, um, you know, uh, if there's anything that I can say is is go into practice as a hollow vessel. You know, go into there with, with just this, this, this emptiness rather than the sense of being full. Um, know that you've, you've graduated so that you can, can get into this emptiness, which you will fill up so beautifully, again, if you allow the right things to fill it up, which is based on that certainty and purpose. Absolutely. So just, just that's a good thought. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and chiropractic is exceedingly simple and it's, it's simple by design is that it's simple because we try not to outthink the thinker. Is that we try to work with what we're given instead of trying to always be another layer of interference that's in there. And so, you know, the the, the complexities of chiropractic are, are there as they are in any health profession or any healing profession. But the elegance of chiropractic is that we've been able to boil down the complexities of all of these different iterations of, you know, of physiology of anatomy of 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 you know emotional tone and otherwise into a very very precise and succinct act, which is the adjustment mm-hmm. and we need to show extreme reverence to not to the people that brought it because you guys are more you know more engaged than even we are, but the truth of it is is that you we need to bring a reverence to this 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 capacity this uniqueness of chiropractic, which is about the simplicity of giving. An adjustment to a primary subluxation, and when you do that, it happened to me. life's changed,
0: yeah you know? yeah, absolutely, and uh uh I like what you said, don't try to outthink the thinker, that's awesome um we work we yeah. work with the body right and and we can't do that so i i really I really encourage people, and like you said, you know, don't be certain. Um, go with emptiness into practice because there's a plethora of things that you still don't know. Um, and I like to say there are a thousand things I do know and about a 100,000 or even more, millions and millions and billions of things Hopefully that I millions. don't know. Yeah. Um, and so it's like there's, there's always more to learn and that's why we do continuing education credits because things are also always changing, right? So what you did ten years from uh, 10 years ago isn't the same today and what you're gonna do 10 years from now isn't going to be the same today. So let's go into, with that being said, let's go into objective data. I know we kind of talked about it with the subluxation tied in with the central nervous system and certainty, but what, what do we classify in chiropractic or what should we be classifying in chiropractic as objective data? Because I think there's a big difference between what I just said there.
1: Well, you know what? I think we have to go again. I said, you know, the purpose driven process is the subluxation. And so we have to define the subluxation we could spend, you know, a a week on that alone. But the truth of it is, is that the subluxation really, you know, is manifesting, you know, the changes that we detect and work with is the vertebral subluxation. And so we're looking at the three subsystems of the spine, which associate with the, you know, the active component, which is muscle, the, the passive component, which is the bone, and the controlling component, which is your central neurology. And these all have to work in harmony with one another. And as a result of that, when there is a distortion in the processing of the signaling, and what I mean by that is, is that there is an overloaded circuit model or there's this persistent disturbance within the control mechanism, the body is so wise that it has to protect itself. And so it it evokes this, this, this reaction in the active system to say, get me out of dodge, let me protect you. And that in turn pulls and distorts the passive system, which in turn now becomes a new normal. And that new normal then imprints into the control system. The wisdom of the of the neurology says something's askew here, let me adapt to that. And so when we take a look at, at objective data that's affiliated with the subluxation, we can really look at all three of those subsystems and, and be determinant as to how they interact with it. So my passion and my direction and my contribution into the profession has really been mostly to associate primarily from a what I would refer to as a nerve first approach. You know, there is it's a cycle. So let let me be clear here that this is not saying there's a hierarchical approach, because when you change neurology, you're going to change the active and passive components too it's however you want to look your perspective if you're looking at the passive component which is the bony bony skeleton you're going to find distortions in neurology from that as well so my contribution though has been to say listen at the end of the day the overriding you know the overriding control and regulatory Aspects of how we interface with our humanness and and our emotions and everything is not through the spine as a primary, but it's through the nervous system. So we tell This is when Dr. Kent and Dr. Jen and I, for you know many years, worked very very closely together. Uh, Christopher being the academic, he was uh, Patrick being you know the the very very capable and wise you know chiropractor in front of people, and myself, I was the one who was developing all the clinical protocols for what you now know as the Insight. Uh, you know at that time subluxation station and what we're reframing it with is the insight adaptation station and so the the joy we had of working together was that it allowed us to really transition people's thinking away from this very very you know almost antiquated perspective of trying to look locally to find the subluxation to looking at global impact we knew it happened but we didn't have the signals to look at. So, you know, um, we developed a surface EMG, we developed thermography, we developed range of motion, but the jewel has been, you know, primarily heart rate variability or HRV, which has allowed us to really look at the tone of the vagus nerve. And when we start to look at vagal tone, that's one of the most objective aspects of looking at the totality of the adaptability of that organism. And, you know, by observing the the, interbeat intervals or the very you know very tight fractals within a beating heart and looking at the at the interbeat interval timings down to the third decimal point you can start to really look at variability And this was right up my alley because I come from a math background. So I was like, you know, give me more of this stuff. (laughs) And so so by understanding the interplay between the different frequencies that fire through the neurology of the sympathetic and parasympathetics, we can build a map as to the through variability as to which is dominant, which is being suppressed. And we've many times see that people live in a in a dominant sympathetic state, not because of their dominant sympathetics, but because of their. Lowered responsiveness in the parasympathetics. I mean, their vagal tone has become very, very, you know, damaged, if you will, and that is directly related to um, how a subluxation interferes with this communication, not only locally but pandemically throughout everything. And I think that what is so critical to to you know, if 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 you leave with anything, there's two things I want to leave with the students here as a takeaway: is that number one, the the nervous system is constantly learning it never stops learning and you know the 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 other thing is is that we don't subluxate locally we subluxate with every cell of our body Hmm. there is we don't we don't ever have a local phenomenon that's only what we're seeing so when we take a look at objective data we look at the signals that associate with this processing of brain to body communication. So we're looking at HRV, we're looking at EMG signals, looking at the amount of energy that somebody's expending to do a simple task like seating, and then looking at a deeper connectivity, which is related to um, the deepening problem, which is through thermography of where you're looking at the sympathetic motors as they go to preganglionically, you know, and post-ganglionically control the organs, glands and blood vessels. So You know, when you build a neural profile of the subluxation through a central neural, you know, um, uh, complexity of of objective data, you win, Mm -hmm. like you win. And uh, what we spent a lot of time doing is taking very complex, very complex algorithms and objective data points and simplifying those down into a single score. So that from a reporting perspective, There could be a metric that a patient or a doctor or a clinician or a staff member could literally look and say oh my goodness they're moving towards a more salutogenic state meaning they're more coherent or they're in disarray and they're more you know they're more chaotic if you would and and in an entropic state so that's why i love that that you you know the youth of our profession especially is embracing the tools that we're giving them but also the scores and the algorithms the core score, which has really become this sort of phenomenon within chiropractic, is a single number scoring system that takes all the data I just talked about, the HRV, the EMG, and the thermals, consolidates it into a single score, and it gives a tracking reference point for the patient and or the the clinician. So that's objective data as I see it.
0: I love it. I love it. And, and that's so amazing, and we'll talk about at the end – how people can better get in touch with you, how better people, uh, sure. uh, how, can, how can they get better in touch with CLA and what you guys are doing and following what you guys are doing and releasing for chiropractic. Because as we just heard, um, it's amazing technology. And w- w- the fact that we have the ability and capability to measure somebody's nervous system within our chiropractic offices like this to this extent, I think is unbelievable to the care that we're able to provide that patient and then look at, you know, numbers like your, the core score and say, "Hey, look, everything has decreased or increased or, you know, now we can start measuring and tracking and keeping goals and tabs on on patients in a true manner and an objective manner, which I think is your ultimate goal is to say, "Hey, guys, chiropractic is objective. We just have to have the right tools in place to measure it, right?" And I, I think you're, you guys are right on the right track with that and doing a great job with it. And I think that's going to lead into taking all of this data you got it. And, and picking out like, how we get this one score. And I think it's going to lead into artificial intelligence. So talk to yes. us a little bit about what that means to not only CLA, but also what this means to the future of chiropractic as, as we know it when it comes to technology. Well,
1: I think that I think that the segue has been set, and it's it's almost perfect because um, you know when I took over CLA, which was coming up eight or nine years ago now, um, I had a number of different mandates because the original subluxation station was very very successful in terms of getting signals and data, but you know technology evolves. So my very first iteration was to move it to a wireless platform so that it'd be more you know more portable, more nimble, more current with the rest of it. The second was that we needed to get it into the cloud. And so what we did was we realized that cloud-based computing was certainly where the horsepower would allow us. If we could get more horsepower, we could get better signals. But here was the real thing. Johnny, what happened was is that we knew that if chiropractic was gonna move into the right direction forever, in other words, if we didn't have this anecdotal approach, it had to come through research and it had to come through research through big data. And so 3 years ago I was studying you know I was looking at machine learning I was getting involved very deeply into into artificial intelligence and understanding a lot of the AI and I was sort of ahead of the curve a lot in terms of where I I saw things going and the great thing about machine learning is that everything founded on big data means that with machine learning you don't have to ask ask the question more than anything you let the data tell you what questions to ask mm. And you know this is this is a this is how you build the tools with machine learning and artificial intelligence to not necessarily, you know, change the way that that the model is going to work. You wait for the model to tell you what's working. And so we started to collect all of these data points. And one of the great things about CLA is is that it has. Um, it has thousands of doctors around the world using this technology, and we have taught them how to do a very standardized testing approach. And we also have a very controlled environment under which we, we watch the data to be either collected or, or not. And so we knew we had this massive amount of clinical data. We, we hold right now the largest tranche of clinical data that's ever been collected within a chiropractic model. So we know now that we're ready for research. And so, you know, we're the darlings. If you want to talk about valuation, you know, the company is is worth way more because of its big data than it is from, from anything. And 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 that wasn't meant to say that we we're going to expand or anything else. We're here for chiropractic alone. And so, and it's nice to talk about success stories within chiropractic. Absolutely. And so. Yeah, and so w- when we made this decision, now we're starting to say, well, what? How can we work with it? So we are engaging with data scientists right now. Interestingly, through New Zealand School is uh, New Zealand School is is has always been a favorite of mine. Uh, not to mention Life hasn't been or Sherman or Life West, um, but uh, I have a strong relationship with with the research team with Heidi Hervik and uh, as well as um, Kelly Holt. And they have, a, they have a data scientist, um, Imran Iqbal, who is absolutely the genius of all of these people working together is, is that we can sit down and start to say, wow, what would a neural network of computing data like this look like? And artificial intelligence, when you create the right tool, as I was saying, doesn't necessarily tell you what you're looking for. You sit back and say, what can I see in this? and you know this is a whole new world this is this is the world of what's called pbrn which is practice based research networks these neural networks as we're you know as we're understanding them and that means that instead of doing double blinded studies we're looking at evidence informed strategies which look at, at patient preferences that look at at best practices by the clinician and look at scientific data and what we're doing is is that we're taking these clinical data points from HRV from from thermography from EMG looking at them through a subluxation lens and we're putting these data points together massive data points like tens of millions of data points in the of of what we've been able to hold on to And we're feeding it into an algorithmic tool that is being designed to say, well, wouldn't it be nice instead of trying to define whether EMG should be used to measure the subluxation to say, look, when when EMG is used and people have this experience and feel like this, wouldn't it be great if we could see if you change the EMG and it changed how they feel and how they react? Mm -hmm. Let's look at that. Mm. And so all of a sudden instead of saying should we be using EMG the answer should be well why wouldn't you use EMG or conversely it's like it was always a sham it never did anything right well we kind of know that we kind of know the opposite because we've been watching it but the but the realities are is that we're going to be able to do that with different strategic decision making and you know what's going to happen is that we're going to be able to come up and not only describe what a good piece of objective data and a collection is all about meaning You know, you're going to be able to go to your patient and say, you have a 78% chance of following through with this response because of the data we have. And if you're lower than that 78% response, we know we've got a problem in the way you're responding. Let's do something different or let's do something more. Right. In other words, we're going to come for data. And that's what AI tells us about. So sorry I got off on that, but it was kind of interesting. No,
0: it is interesting. I find that stuff absolutely fascinating. And a lot of people think that when they hear artificial intelligence, and this isn't me personally – But a lot of people, like a a person of the public, when they when they think about artificial intelligence, I think a lot of times people relay it to um, philosophy or um, to privacy and to issues with you know facial recognition and stuff like that. And I I want to I want to say that like it also has capabilities of changing the trajectory of of the future of healthcare, how we deliver chiropractic care specifically. And also because of like what Life University is doing with the program Quid and gauging yes. different healthcare yes. points and where, where people are actually at mentally and understanding the psychology behind the decision making that they're having and saying what you said, right? We're looking at the data and wondering and asking questions about the data, not going in expecting a specific result. And I think that's there's a huge difference in that. And um, I want to encourage people to, to really understand, like you were saying, you got passionate for a reason. And I, I think that the main purpose of artificial intelligence can be really, really beneficial to the future of society. And it can benefit a lot of people. Um, and I think that I just had to break the, break the ground on that one or just, you know, call out the, the elephant in the room and say, you know, look, guys, it's, it's okay to talk about this stuff because it can really advance um, the future of specific professions, including chiropractic and what CLA is doing. Would you agree with that, Doc?
1: Yeah, and, and listen, I think you bring up a really good point on privacy and, and security and everything else. Uh, you know, they, there's this malicious approach, especially like you said, with using AI to try and, uh, and, and not do what I said, which is to try and look and, and take an upper hand. Uh, if you're going in from a, from a purity perspective, which is to look at this purposeful outcome, which is to say, can we be better? And I sort of said, that's what our driving forces in CLA is, to be innovative and to be better. Um, then use the tools that occur at this time in our lives to better the world. And I think that the more we know about chiropractic, and this is, this is my belief system, I think it will be borne out. I think the more we learn about how chiropractic works, the more astounded we will all be at how unbelievable it is in, in, in restoring efficiency within the functioning systems, with going, with restoring coherence within the, within the processing nervous system. I don't think we truly understand, other than anecdotal outcomes, what the power of an adjustment really does. I think that it's going to stun everybody when we start to look at this data. We just did a, we just, we, uh, New Zealand team just sent a uh, I collaborated with them and got them equipment and things like that to do a um, to do a program over in Pakistan, looking at very, 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 you know, disturbed um, and behavioral kids, uh, boys, young boys. And it was almost an interesting experience because it was completely masked as to any bias towards what chiropractic was or anything else. There was no bias in any of this. And although the data is still being washed and worked on and, and the rest of it was speaking with the clinicians who were over there that were adjusting and doing the, you know, gathering data pre and post adjustment associated with it. They spent six weeks out in their remote, you know, Pakistani communities. So, um, the results that were coming back are really quite astounding. You know, these, the people that have not interfaced with chiropractic, but get it into their lives change. And I think that's what we have to understand why a little bit more. Um, and it doesn't. And here's the point about this AI. And then I'll close it down. It was it wasn't a type of adjustment. It was that they were being adjusted into their central nervous system. It was that it was that there was an there was an intent with a designed chiropractic model to release tension and build coherence. Hmm. And as a result of that, the model is then gathering the data. And here's the really cool thing. And I said the nervous system learns. These models of AI learn as well so they learn they learn from the data you put in and the more data you give it the more changeable data you give it the more input it comes out to say keep doing it or you're going to expect this more so that's why we we go to these remote places and try and find really unique areas of of data collection
0: yeah yeah i think so, that's, you can feed,
1: so you can feed the model
0: yeah that's that's great and and the more we start doing that the more we can start building that data and bigger and bigger and bigger and we can actually start drawing some conclusions from this stuff like you were saying with the Surface EMG, right? Um, and start actually gathering what is actually taking place at the end and saying, now we have objective measures on care plans and you know pain-based models, subluxation-based and everything else, you know what I'm saying? Like that to me is so powerful. And the fact that I am able to to utilize the tools that you guys are providing and will be able to utilize the tools um, in my own practice someday is, it just astounds me to this day. The fact that like I'm able to see how a nervous system actually functions in my chiropractic clinic and, you know, looking at talking about vagal tone and everything like that with kids all the way to people who are 106, (laughs) you know, like it doesn't matter where you're at. It's like, this is an incredible piece of, um, Of data and a tool that we're able to use, and I want to I want to bridge this in with the designs within research. I want to know more about what you mean by that, and how all of the things that we talked about previously so far—certainty, objective data, and AI—how do all of that? How does all of that rather go into the designs within research to give us what you know stepping stones into the future of uh, certainty in chiropractic? Well, I think that
1: I think I sort of gave a nudge in that direction. I think that you're going to find that the you know Monique Andrews and the Christy Kwans and the kelly holtz and and the people that are on the cutting edge of the research as we know it um, see that you can't really research properly using a double-blinded pathogenic approach. If you're studying salutogenesis, you really have to have a, a different style or design of 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 research that's going to pull it in you can look at giant epidemiological models which i think are appropriate and i think this big data is going to do it but i i touched on it you really have to almost uh, rethink where we're getting practitioner-based uh you know client preference scientific based modeling in this evidence-informed triad and that's where the pbrn comes in so these practice based research networks are not single case studies mm-hmm. they're providing data from their practice experiences and if we can put a control mechanism in on those practice experiences not so controlling because you don't want to you don't want to change the flavor of chiropractic you don't want to say oh you know they were all doing upper cervical work you want to get this broad spectrum and say chiropractic works Mm -hmm. so that epidemiologically you don't have to say oh the palmer method was what did it you Mm -hmm. know and you get this sort of localization so what we can do with PBRN is, is, is get thousands of offices sharing their experiences through control tools, whether it be the instruments. And then we'll, we've, got, we've got some really, really good um, you know SF36 hybrids, which are validated tools, which are going to bring the patient into the conversation. And that means that the patient is going to be able to track their experience of what they're feeling mm-hmm. as well as what we're measuring. So we've got objective, subjective tool measurements, and that then is going to go into this big data mixing bowl. And then out of that, the data scientists are going to say, what should we be seeing coming out? And this is, this is the design that's going to move the world, you know, because we're not trying to figure out a drug that's going to, you know, that's going to kill people. We're trying to figure out an entire class of decisions that humans can make that are going to make their lives better because and this is, you know, this is where chiropractic is, it, you know, falls on itself, is because of its simplicity. Chiropractic may just probably work better than anything we knew. It just may.
0: Right. Right.
1: And and you know, I'm a chiropractor saying that, but, gosh, you know, we we look at the data, but we also look at the outcomes, and they're spectacular.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's something else. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And and I think that I also want to mention that you know we always talk about chiropractic being the the best kept secret. And I think that with with where the where society is pushing people nowadays with evidence based and and numbers based and, and all of this, I really think what we're what, what you guys are doing there and and with all of this data is is really going to put chiropractic's hat in the ring, right? And it's gonna say, hey look Chiropractic's an option and here's why right it's not just this whole thing of um it it works just because it works right it's this thing of it works because we know that we know that we know through data through numbers and through objective measures and i I love that you said that now you guys are trying to bring the patient into it with sf 36s and that's that's a whole nother conversation of like combining now objective and subjective data and saying look how do those relate to each other, right? What is the outcome the chiropractor is, is noticing and actually measuring? And then also what is the outcome that the patient is stating that they are having throughout this experience and throughout their care? Um, and so I, I really, really like what you said there. Um, let's talk about uh, the, the power. I think we've talked about it a lot, um, but I don't know if we really nailed it on the head. I want to hear your truest words of like what is the power of the adjustment because you see the numbers, you see the data coming in and maybe you can't draw any rash conclusions at this time, but but talk to us um in your professional opinion about what is really the power of the adjustment.
1: Well, and and I don't want to come across sort of spocky in here. You know, I mean it should be we we should be, you know, as flowery and as dynamic as, you know, as 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 lighting life up but the power is that you can look at at you know wave formats that are discordant and that don't have any sense of coherence and within moments you know you're watching these these dissipated wavelets really come to a coherent fashion and you know when you start to get this this Confluence of con- coherence happening, the, you start to see the power of removing the interference so that there's, you know, the intelligent design of these structures that is the human body. Uh, is why we refer to it as innate intelligence and so when you when you get to look at this reorganizational experience through these in, which is guided through innate intelligence it's freaking amazing like i mean it's it's something else to watch that and it's not just deductive reasoning that says hey you know if we remove interference the body has to be better you can literally see it happening right. and um you know when you when you take a look at i mean listen bj was was probably the most rigorous researcher that existed within chiropractic in those earliest days and even now i mean he based everything that he adjusted upon the outcomes associated with with his research and he used the tools of his time to do that and so he was you know he introduced thermography because it was the tool of his time and you know from a clinical evaluation perspective he spent his entire life trying to determine how to measure the mental impulse and, you know, so, you know, we we sit here with a heritage of of very spectacular research and looking at the power of the adjustment. I would say that we can never dismiss the power of the adjustment by asking mothers. Um, You know, I think that I think that some of the most important conversations about the power of an adjustment don't come from the patient, but come from those who are most concerned about the person. And that's many times a mother. Uh, of a child, I think that um, speaking to a partner of a of a of a person who is writhing in pain or passing through illness uh, is is even more important than looking at those wavelets that I'm talking about. You know, my dear friend Otto Janke published a uh, a really lovely um, uh, case study that was picked up into a very nice journal, and you know, he was talking about taking a woman who was diagnosed with stage four uh, stage four breast cancer. And working her through to where, you know, using heart rate variability as the marker as to how the adjustments would, would change. And, you know, through rigorous chiropractic care and other methodologies, but non chemo based, um, she was able to, to restore herself back into a all clear basis from stage four. That's unheard of. Mm-hmm. That's beyond powerful. Um, you know, I get a chance to work with, with really amazing. Uh, researchers. Um, one of my favorites is Yuri Gidron, who's right now, um, you know, he's, he is not a chiropractor. He's actually a psychoneuroimmunologist and he is the chief of, uh, chief of staff in, it was in Lille, France, but I think he's just moved over to Tel Aviv or Haifa. And he's sort of this genius of HRV. You know, he, he, he looked at stage four colorectal cancer patients before they died and he determined that Watching a person's vagal tone, which is HRV, was far more indicative of their p- potential for resilience, resilience. And he didn't even know the word chiropractic at that time. And then he started to say that, you mean to tell me that chiropractors improve vagal tone, change people's HRV, and you guys aren't telling the world about it? <laughs> you know, that's his, that's his thesis. Let me do research with you guys. And so I've had some wonderful, you know, relationships and, and that in non-chiropractic research worlds because they get it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to share this one stu- stupid little story. I got involved with a really uh, significant um, program, which was looking at uh, ADD, ADHD children, and it was being uh, developed and monitored by, um, by the uh, chief of psychiatry in uh, Mass General, uh, Boston Mass General. And so they invited me into this sort of inner chamber of, of medicine, which was this big round table of all these stakeholders. And it included, you know, pretty significant people in the medical side of things in terms of uh, Boston, Mass. And also there was, there were some educators that were in there. So there was a real think tank that was going on and they invited me to sit with them. And so I sat down and this, this was the head. So sitting beside me, um, at this end of the table was the chief of staff. Um, um, Chief of Medicine, Chief of Staff. Uh, His name was Peter something or other, in for Boston Mass. And we had a moment before it goes. And anyway, you know, I introduced myself as a chiropractor, and he was he was, and he looked at me and he said, "You guys are late to the game." He said, "We know what you guys do." He said, "Why don't you why don't you why don't you in here more? Why are why are we having to invite you in here? Why are you late to the game with what you can deliver? And these guys who are really at the top of their game, they get it." You know, the they barriers that break down, I wouldn't say all of them, but there's times that the barriers break down and they see outcomes or they hear outcomes and they want to do it. And, and they're really good guys, good women. They don't really care about what label you put on it, whether it's medicine, chiropractic or anything. They just want to care about the patient with them. And I think that at the end of the day, that's why we all got into this game was so that we could be better for people. And I think that the more we allow ourselves to be better chiropractors, the world's going to be a
0: better place. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Doc. I really, really couldn't agree more. And with that being said, let's talk quickly about CLA's role in the future of chiropractic and where really the future of chiropractic is going. Um, and I think we covered most of that in you know talking sure. about what CLA does, what what we're going to be predicting, <laughs> and how we're going to be measuring uh, the future in chiropractic and, and what we can – gain from the results that we actually supply people with and I love your explanation of the power of the adjustment but I also want to pick your brain on the future of chiropractic what does that look like for us is it a good thing
1: <laughs> It's a great thing. Well, it is and it isn't. It's a great thing if people get it. If we if we keep fighting amongst ourselves and trying to determine that, you know that that uh, that the value of of the lexicon of innate intelligence and subluxation is no longer valid, you know that the evidence based uh, faction is talking about us as heretics. That's not going to do anybody any good. So I think we have to. Ha- I think that the future of the profession lies in us having blinders. As much as we want to be inclusive, you can't. You can't. You know, you can't talk to a barking dog and have a rational conversation. You have to wait till they stop barking. And, you know, the realities are is that we've tried so hard to be inclusive, uh, opened ourselves up to say just what we started at the beginning of this thing. well, it's okay if you choose to have a back pain model, like go for it, but we're doing this, you know, we're doing something that's, that's equally as important and bigger. Um, so they don't see it that way. So, so the future of the profession is going to be, um, gaining the confidence the certainty as we began this conversation to know that what we're saying is right and, um, I think that what an individual practitioner graduating today can do and um, and and work is bring that certainty to their adjustments and build really really dynamic big family practices. I think we have to really fight for the for the role of chiropractic in an asymptomatic model. I think we have to fight for the role of, of chiropractic in identifying performance KPIs in the, in the human output. I think we have to, um, you know, for everybody who's listening here, you should be so passionate about having a tool that gives you the certainty that gives you the opportunity to invite um, a non-back pain patient into your care and that allows you to give with confidence a care plan that extends for value um, that they may not even understand That, that you know you understand the value of having a clear and coherent nervous system they don't get it but you give them enough time and they'll understand it through what they feel and what they experience and so I, I, I think that the future of CLA is really to, um, you know, we have this as our mission statement. We in, we envision a world where every chiropractic office has an insight at the hub of their, of their clinical decision making and the reporting. Um, you know, I know that's a, that's, that's a, that's a mission that's almost impossible to, to achieve, but at the same time, it's what drives us. We want to be, you know, wildly innovative. Our first core value is chiropractors first. We do not see ourselves moving outside of 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 the profession. There's no need to. Um, we're very satisfied to say chiropractic is where we should be and want to be. And so, you know, I really see us as being a guiding light um, through our innovation, through our dedication and through our alliances. My God, we've been around a long time. And you know what? We've done a good job and, you know, I've been with CLA for 20 years, but we've done a good job along the way of being more invitational than confrontational. You know, we stand up for what we believe in, but we invite people to see us. And, And I see that growing. Um, I see us nurturing, uh, nurturing the students. Uh, so I teach, uh, as a guest lecturer at New Zealand. I was just there. Uh, we have a very heavy donation program. Uh, you're at a school that has always benefited from a very, very, you know, uh, active uh, donation model. Um, Sherman, um, you know, we we support, uh, Life West, we support in the same way with, uh, with donations of equipment, donations of expertise, donations of money. Um, you know, we want to, we want to, is it good business practice? I don't know. You know, um, it doesn't matter to me because it's good business practices because I feel good about it that we're bringing the youth into the, into the conversations. So um no I think that I think you'll see CLA as as this quiet uh but unwavering voice that allows people to uh to see that we mean what we say and we're going to change the world that's the bottom line.
0: Yes, absolutely doc. I I don't even want to talk after that. I should have just ended the conversation just right there. <laughs> um but that was you're amazing doctor. Uh, David Fletcher, and I really, really appreciate you being on the show tonight. I really appreciate all of you watching, engaging with us. Um, and we have uh, a couple comments we'll reply to after the show is over. And thank you for hitting those hearts. Whoever was hitting those hearts was was going hard on them. So that was good for us. <laughs> but they were liking what you were saying, Doc. So that was awesome. And um, so I, I just want to recap really quickly of like – have, have certainty in what you're doing as a chiropractor. And I like that you said, you know, CLA is going to be this, this quiet voice that is always there, but is, is allowing chiropractors to really do what they do best. And that is adjust. And I I really, really appreciate that. My hat is off to you all at CLA and especially you obviously, um, you know, leading that mission of Getting CLA into every single office and and providing the objective measures for every single chiropractor to utilize because when it comes to research we always turn to uh, the next the next best thing which is the the medical research or something along those lines and say oh we'll use this to prove them wrong right and it, we'll use their own journals and stuff and there's no need in my opinion with with technology and data collection that you guys are doing coming up in the, in the, down the pipeline, like there's no reason to do that anymore. Um, when we start getting those actual true numbers and measurements from how people actually, uh, respond to the chiropractic adjustment. And I also want to mention that I like what you said, you know, the, the, we have to kind of put on the blinders and say, look, we're in this camp and we're going to fight for this camp. And it's okay, (laughs) you know, and it's okay to do that because I think that we are, or I don't think, I know that we are going to change the world one way or the other. And, um, and we want to be on the front front of that. We want to be on the front lines of that. And, uh, so I, I really appreciate you being on the show doc and how can people better get in touch with you, CLA? What are some, what are some things that, that people can, uh, really venture out and do for, for, to support you?
1: Oh well, um, listening to a podcast like this is excellent. Uh, we um, we we thankfully uh, gained the URL subluxation.com. So um, that's that's always been uh, one of the one of the treats that I have. So you can go to subluxation.com. We actually go under Insight CLA just because we wanted people to know we sold the insight as well. So insightCla.com, subluxation.com, they all end up at the same place. Um, We have some, if you go into the blog section, uh, there's some great downloads uh, that you can do. I really want everybody who's listening to become familiar with how we integrate communication and clinical practice. Um, So I created a RED book, which is the RED book. Um, and, uh, RED is really the, the logical process of thinking about how we have reserve, we have energy drain, and then we have a deepening problem. And so, um, if they, if they're interested, they can just go to info at, uh, insightcla.com. And I would be more than happy if they just leave me an email, uh, through whatever they're doing there to send a red book, uh, or an ebook to them and they'll get on the list. And then we'll, we'll just have a lot of fun staying in touch. Um, I think that, uh, for students, um, many of the, many of the, um, clinicians that are, are teaching the insight in the schools aren't as familiar as even you are with how it works. Um, dust it off, get in there, scan people, start learning about looking at signal acquisitions. And finally, um, you know, love your neighbor, man. I'm telling you, this is a world that needs a whole bunch of love. Um, and who better than a chiropractor to have that? Um, and, and my parting comment is to say something is this. Look, we're either right or we're wrong in chiropractic. You know, in in other words, we either had a really good idea and it was either right or it was wrong. I can tell you as a youthful people looking at this, and I'm I feel youthful, but I have been around the block a few times, we are right. You know what I'm saying is that is that you may have that doubt, and we began this conversation about certainty. I can tell you from my perspective, and it isn't just my experience and everything else, but from my educated experience and my ability to spend way too many, you know years traveling this world we are right and you should take that to the bank
0: absolutely Doc. that
1: that i promise you
0: awesome awesome i i don't so, think you can hear it. I, go ahead go ahead no no i'm done okay good awesome <laughs> oh man you, you like just hearing those words that's that's amazing i'm i wrote that quote down i'll watch this video over and over again and if you're just joining us now please be sure to watch the entirety of this video. And that's not for playthroughs. That's to learn and educate yourself on what the future of chiropractic really looks like. Um, and having and sitting down and having the opportunity to sit down with a a legend in chiropractic, such as Dr. David Fletcher. I am, I'm honored. I'm humbled doc. And I, I can't wait to see, uh, the future in, you know, chiropractic, what CLA is continually doing. Um, and it's not when, it's it's right now. And I think that heading to subluxation.com, and it was info at CLA.com, correct, Doc?
1: Info at Insight Insight
0: CLA.com. CLA. Let me, let me edit that for people. Yep. Insight CLA.com. CLA. Perfect. And yep. uh, so head to that, and you can um, reach out or contact uh, Dr. David or his team rather, and they can send you a book on all of the clinical outcomes and everything like that. So doc, thank you so much for being on the show, everybody watching or watching on replay, head to the legendary chiropractor.com to get all of your chiropractic needs and questions answered. We are up and running and we have, this is my 53rd Facebook live. Nice. and Yes. Nice. And uh, we are actually, this is the last week of season three of the chiropractic compass podcast so i am so grateful that you were on the show you were you were able to be on this uh on this podcast and i I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your service to the profession and i know that you will keep working your butt off in order to uh to leave this profession better than it was when you got into it so i appreciate you doc i really do
1: Thanks, Johnny. And I appreciate you too. Let's make it a, a great world together.
0: Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. Everybody have a wonderful night and uh, we are signing off. Thank you guys. Again, I'm your host, Johnny Reuter, and this is the Legendary Chiropractor Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. And be sure to check out all of our social media accounts on Facebook and Instagram, as well as subscribe to us on YouTube. You can find us at The Legendary Chiropractor. This podcast is intended for the prospective chiropractic student, current chiropractic student, and even doctor out in the field. Be sure to head to thelegendarychiropractor.com as it is the virtual one-stop shop for everything chiropractic. Students can find our various programs, such as our free online book club, our Mentor Up initiative for free coaching and mentoring from peers as well as doctors out in the field. And you can even find jobs as a student or recent graduate looking for an associateship, independent contracting position, or looking to purchase a practice. Doctors out there, you're able to post jobs and your chiropractic adverts on The Legendary Chiropractor and you're also able to view available positions as well as listen to all of these podcasts and Facebook Lives on our website at thelegendarychiropractor.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.